We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. McConnell pushing again, gets underneath, finds Sabonis for the dunk and the ball. Brogdon for three. Got it. And the Pacers lead by two. One bird, skies high for the jam. Warren lets it fly. Yes. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. It is Monday, it is almost 6 o'clock, and I am joined today by the one and only Michael J. Focci, returning after a week-long hiatus. Focci, what's going on, brother? Alex, I feel like I haven't picked up the microphone since Carlisle's second stint in Indiana. It feels like it's been that long, but the band is back today. So I, I didn't want to say anything on the last podcast I did. I don't know if you feel like you can share it or not, but do you are you able to share why you weren't here the last week? Oh, yeah, sure. I, I got a new job. I did have training in New York City. So I had to do the first week of the job in New York City. So I was in Manhattan. So it was just way too crazy hours-wise to, you know, be able to tie everything together with podcasting after work. So how to take a week off. Alex really held it down, had some awesome guests on, and uh, loved the episodes he put together. I appreciate that. And I have to ask that you were in New York. Did you happen to steal any of that cap space the Knicks have sitting over there uh, on the books? Man, I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could have. But uh, nope, I'm walking back with uh, that same tight cap space the Pacers are dealing with. <laughs> Absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about our top 10 players that you know we'd like to see the Pacers trade for now. I think me and Fachi tried to make them as realistic as possible. So if you yep. think any of them are unrealistic, we apologize. They don't necessarily agree maybe with uh, your standard, but we're going to start with our um, list. We're going to work our way back from 10 to 1. So we're going to start with our first three picks before we take a break. So Fachi, who do you have at number 10? So at number 10, a guy that I know some Pacer fans are interested in. I don't know if it'll really work out, but I had to put him on the list. Lonzo Ball, sign and trade. This man has improved his shot. He could defend well. He's a great playmaker. We've talked about the vision that him and LaMelo have, but it comes down to what would it really cost and would he sign in Indiana? You know, it gets a little bit complicated, but he at least had to be on my top 10 list. No, absolutely. Um, I'll get to him a little bit later. I think he's a, he's a really interesting player. So for my number, my number 10, 
I went with a guy that I've talked about for a long time, and I'm sorry that I keep bringing him up. It's not Aaron Gordon, but it's Harrison Barnes. And this is a guy you guys know that I'm interested in. I just think fit-wise he makes sense. Um, he, he shot the ball really well last year. He was, I believe, 39% from three, so averaged 16 points, played 58 games. You know, this is a guy that's 225, fits that small forward, power forward need that we desperately need. Um, his nickname is the Black Falcon. I think that might be the coolest nickname on the team. It's pretty cool. And he's been in the league for a while, so maybe he could provide some veteran leadership. You know, I mean, I'm not sure exactly if that's what you want, but he's uh, he's 29 years old. He'll be he'll be 30 at the end of next season. So really, he just turned 29 in May. I think that he makes a ton of sense for this roster now. For one of the starters straight up, I don't necessarily think that that it's fair value. I wouldn't trade any of our starting five for him straight up. So if the Pacers really are intrigued by maybe moving up in the draft and the Kings are like, hey, we can slide four spots and still get our guy, then I think you might have something there with a, with a Turner plus a pick. Turner, Turner plus 13 for Barnes and nine. I mentioned that on the last podcast. So I'm not really spoiling anything here with that trade idea, but that's where I kind of think this could be something interesting. A trade like that is definitely appealing to a move up and b get a veteran leader like Harrison Barnes and not to say leader, but a veteran, you know, good scoring option who's still 29 years old and his contract does align well with the Pacers moving forward two years left in the deal. So uh, I do like that. Uh, for number nine on my list, Alex, you're out of your mind if you think I wasn't bringing up Seth Curry. Seth Curry. Oh, stop it. He's not oh, getting traded. He's not getting traded. But it, it just here's, – here's where I'm at. Unrealistic. What if, what if – yeah, probably unrealistic. But, you know, while um, Philly doesn't need to, they can just cut him. They could make a combination of a Seth Curry and George Hill package to get a little bit bigger to bring, you know, someone else back. You know, if Seth Curry's on the table, you have my my eyes and ears, my attention, everything of the sort. I just don't think that he's going to be available. That's why he's at number nine on my list. <laughs> I'm surprised you have him um, ahead of Lonzo Ball. That's a little bit surprising to me. Um, but I know it's hard to do this list. I mean, it's it's really hard to to tier these players. I felt it like is very but hard to tier. That's interesting. So yeah, Seth Curry. My my thought was he could fit on any team. Though, and I just felt like Lonzo, like, hey, right now we do have some ball handlers. Like, you know, who is New Orleans going to be looking to get back in there? Are we going to be dealing, you know, Brogdon and another star? What's it going to be? Seth Curry, I just felt like you can plug in on any team, and I think that he can contribute nightly. So you're talking about a George Hill package with Seth Curry. Are you giving them Brogdon for that package? In my package, I was somewhat willing to give Brogdon because here's the thing. George Hill, you're getting depth there. You're getting a good three-point shooter. Yeah. Seth Curry, you're getting a great three-point shooter. Then you save about, you know, at least $10 million the following year. I, I get it. Brogdon's real good. He is. But, hey, it's an opportunity to, you know, get a really good three-point shooter if you lose McDermott and also save some cash. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. I, I think you're selling – I think you're selling Brogdon's value a little short there on that one. But I think uh, so. But real quick, is Brogdon's value high right now? Because obviously the Pacers are shopping them. Are they? I mean, there's only been uh, one rumor, the, and it came from Philly. It, it, it did come from there, but like I said, his name just – it really – it didn't seem like the Pacers front office was thrilled with Brogdon that I feel like he's going to be the guy that, you know, they could at least be, A, taking calls on, and B, making calls, you know, about. Well, I think they should be taking calls on every player that they, they have should, personally. Without I a mean, doubt. No but I, I think you're reading a little too much into the not enough Brogdon praise um, from I the think, pressers. 
I think, I very well might. I think you're reading a little too much into it. Maybe because you want him off the team. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But I like some Brogdon. I, I do. But like, but I'm at this point where hey, he he can be had. You know, for the right. Yeah, place. yeah. I mean, I, I'm right there with you. If you're trading him. It's got to be for the right person. I think that he's a tradable asset. I know that I said like I'm not the biggest fan of him because of certain reasons, but I'm still, I'm still in in terms of building the roster. I'm not just giving him away to give him away, and I feel like this would be a little bit of a backwards move for the Pacers, even though it does provide shooting and you do reunite Seth Curry with Rick Carlisle. Um, makes some sense there. Now, for my number nine, Fachi. Only reason I'm saying this is because of the reports that the Minnesota Timberwolves are semi-interested in Miles Turner, or maybe they're really interested in Miles Turner. I'm not sure how high a level of interest that is, but I know J. Michael did report that. And the guy I'm throwing out here, and I, and I know there are a lot of red flags with this guy. He only played 37 games last year. He's got some off-court history of not doing some good things. It's Malik Beasley. Um this is a guy that averaged 19.6 points in 37 games last year, shot 44% from the field and 39.9% from three, 85% free throw shooter. I think that he's a really good basketball player. Was kind of buried a little bit on that Denver bench, got a nicer opportunity in Minnesota. And, you know, if you were trading one of the centers for him, like Miles Turner, I think he would fit in that starting lineup perfectly especially especially with how he's able to play. And then you could maybe stagger some of those minutes and play him with the bench some or play Levert with the bench some. I mean, there's different things they could do. But I like his game, but I don't necessarily know if he's the right type of player for this Pacers roster. But I, I do think he's someone that could be interesting to, to look at. Make no mistake, Malik Beasley can hoop. He exploded onto the scene upon you know being dealt to, uh, to Minnesota. It's the off-court stuff that that I just don't think the Pacers would touch. I mean, the guy was, I believe, wearing an ankle bracelet, ankle monitor while playing basketball. Like such a like a scene of like a this is a uh, it's a little sketchy. And then I know he did do some time, you know, recently uh, for whatever his off-the-court drama was. So it just feels like a guy that the Pacers they haven't gone after that troubled, really talented player in a long time, which makes me think that they would stay clear of him. But make no mistake, Malik Beasley is a really good scorer in this league. So, uh, you know, hey, I, I, I'm with you on that. When that report came up about Miles Turner, it felt like Beasley would have to be involved in the deal because they're not going to trade Cat. They don't want to trade Russell. You're not going to trade Anthony Edwards. It would seem like he would be the guy. So I don't blame you for that. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, it's like, sure, you might like Rubio's salary wise matches up, but I don't think Rubio makes a ton of sense. Like, yeah. he's okay. Like, maybe if you get Rubio plus a pick or something for future, you know, like assets, because who knows what Minnesota's going to be like? That could be enticing. And I think Rubio could be a nice bench player or starter, whatever you decide to do with him. I mean, you could even trade him later to a team that might need a point guard because there are teams that need point guards. And mm -hmm. he is actually a pretty good, like, pass first point guard. So there could be some nice things there, like with him and Sabonis that I might like a little bit. But all in all, I just think Beasley has the higher upside and, and might fit the team a little bit better. But like I said, the off-the-court stuff is a bit of a red flag. So maybe he should have been on my honorable mentions list, but I felt like he was a talented enough player to put at number nine. But moving forward, before we take a break, let's move to number eight. Fajr, who you got? Number eight, it might just be a pipe dream, but C.J. McCollum. I mean, this is a guy that <laughs> we, we talked about it before. He was having a career year, and I think that he really would have been an all-star had he not gotten hurt. He signed a fresh three-year, $100 million extension, and if you know the Pacers did make a move for him, 
he would be a guy that you could go to at the end of the game and get a basket. And I feel like lately the Pacers didn't really know who that would be. I know Levert came up big at times, but there was a span where the Pacers had no idea who's going to take that last shot. McCollum, he, he could take big shots. He could make big shots. I just think that, A, don't really think he's that available. And if he is, I don't think Portland's letting him go for anything less than quite a lot. So how how much better does it make the team if the Pacers give up too much for McCollum? That's why I had him only at eight. But make no mistake, talent-wise, the man deserves to be higher on this list. So I think CJ McCollum is decently available. I wouldn't say he's not, you know, more than unlikely. I think he's more likely to be traded than not to be traded. Yeah. Um, in terms of what I think happens this offseason with him. But that being said, my number eight, I did a two-for-one here because I don't think you trade for, you know, you only trade for one of these guys. So I'm putting them both on the list here at, at number eight because it's like an A, like an 8A and an 8B. DeJounte Murray and Derek White from San Antonio. Uh, the, okay. So these are two guys that I, I saw a rumor on Twitter, like Twitter has been yep. blown up with rumors recently that both of them are available. Um, I think that white is probably easier to get in my opinion. Yes, yes. Based on, based on age and based on, uh, just overall talent. I think DeJounte Murray is a, is a tier ahead of him. Yes. I like, I like Murray, but he's not the shooter that Derek white is. Derek white is a much better shooter, but I think Murray has more potential. He's only 24 compared to Derek white who's 27. So really all in all, I mean, DeJounte Murray will be 25 by the next, by the start of the next season where, um, Derek White just turned 27, so they're really about two years apart, so not three. Um, but long story short, I just think that both of them are really good players. I, I, I just I see something there possibly. I know last year when we had different guests on, Rhett Bauer was really hitting the hammer for DeJounte Murray for Miles Turner last year. Um, after seeing him last season and just the potential upside, I think that there could be something there. It gives you somebody else that can be a point guard a little bit more defensive-minded on the wing, so that's why I like Murray. But Derek White, if you go after him, I don't know if he's necessarily worth a starter. Maybe he is. I'm not sure. I mean, but he averaged 15 points a game last year, only shot 34.6% from three uh, from his career. He's a 35.7% shooter from three. So, you know, you might like that, you know, to be a little bit better. But I, I think that coming off the bench, maybe using him as that point guard, shooting guard off the bench as a six-man type of role, that could be enticing as well. Yeah. I, I personally, I love DeJounte Murray. Uh, originally, he was the youngest uh, player to ever make an all-defensive first team. That was back in 2017, 2018, the year as Pacers fans hold uh, highly. But I know it's been a few years. But as a guy who overcame injury, when he came back from his ACL tear, you know, I was a little bit wondering, how's this going to work? Is he still going to be good? He is a very good player. Very good. Uh, I'm much more higher on Murray than I am Derek White. I think Derek White's a good player. I think DeJounte Murray's you know, potentially a really good player. So I saw we got tagged in a trade rumor that it had the Pacers giving up way too much. I think it was like in the deal, it was like Brogdon, Turner, and, and a first-round pick, I think, for Murray and Derek White. And at that point, it felt no way. way too steep. But I do like what both of those players bring to the table. I'm higher on Murray, as probably is everybody. Yeah, so like this to me is a classic. Like you don't like who's there at 13 – and you're willing to part ways with 13 and maybe Jeremy Lamb for one of those guys and, and maybe give up something or you give up something of the future. That could be a, a, a trade for like a for not a DeJounte Murray, but more Derek White. Yeah. Murray Murray to me is more of a you trade turner form type of deal. Yeah. Um that kind of move. But but that's where we're at with that one. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back with our next three picks, seven, six, and five. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we're back. We're going to re- uh, reveal seven, six, and five on our top ten players to trade for. Liz Fachi, who do you have at number seven? At seven is a familiar face, the vet we all need and want back. I'm talking about Thad Young, and I believe he's on an expiring. I want to say it's $13.5 million deal, a man that, A, would bring instant veteran leadership. You can have him hold down the four spot. He could be a top option off the bench, and he has become quite the playmaker since he's left Indiana. I just think that Thad is one of those missing ingredient pieces. And, hey, we're talking about, like I mentioned, an expiring deal. It's not even fully guaranteed. Uh, The Bulls team, you know, you're wondering what they're going to do there. I feel like Thad – is going to be in there. The Bulls will be taking a lot of calls for Thad. The Pacers might as well at least place a call or two for him. Yeah, so I have Thad on my honorable mention list. He did not make okay. my top ten because of his age and because I don't think he really like makes this team significantly better on the court. Now, I like more so his locker room presence than anything else. So that being said, I understand why you are a big fan of bringing him in. And if you got him for the right pieces, like, sure, I mean, I'm totally fine with that if we're talking a minor trade here. Yeah. But I don't great. really, I don't think he really like, he might a little bit, but I don't think he like significantly upgrades the team. And it's not like a young guy you're taking a big risk on. That's kind of how I look at this more. I, I guess a lot of the guys I picked were a little bit younger that I feel like could be a part of this, you know, core for a while. Uh, he's by far my oldest guy on the list. Yeah. But yeah. I hear you there. Yeah. I honestly don't know who the oldest guy is on my list. Probably Harrison Barnes, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. So, here at my number seven, Fachi, this is a bit of 
not a hot take, not a hot pick, but it's somebody that had a great little run there in the end of the Eastern Conference Finals for the Atlanta Hawks. That's Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is a guy that was buried on the bench, but he had a really nice, you know, nice season over the last couple of years. Like when he got to play, he looked pretty good. He's obviously raw. It's going to take some time to get a little bit better. But I think what we saw, and Nate McMillan came out and said, I see Paul George in him. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's something that's enticing to me. So I, I really like Cam Reddish, and I know this is probably a name a lot of people aren't talking about, but you have to look at this Atlanta Hawks team. Number one, if they bring back John Collins, that's a lot of money. They've, then they've got to ex- extend Trey Young and then DeAndre Hunter as well. They've got Clint Capella on the books, and I know they're going to have some other guys. So it's like, do they have enough money? Kevin Herter, another guy, do they have enough money to pay all these guys a ton of money? And if they're in the business of winning now, um, could you make a trade for them? I, I don't know exactly what that trade would be. Maybe we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks as we continue to do our offseason coverage. But to me, I just this is the kind of guy that I want to see this Pacers team trade for, a legit guy that can really help. Like, here's a thought idea real quick. I'm just going to throw this trade idea out at you real quick. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if I think Cam Reddish is equal to the value of a Miles Turner. So I'm not including any picks in this idea. But let's say you trade Turner to the Hornets and the Hawks decide to let John Collins go. Could they be interested in one of P.J. Washington or Miles, uh, Miles Bridges and then send them to Atlanta with Cam Reddish coming to the Pacers? Like that's something out there. I'm just floating it out there. I'm not saying that it would make sense for either team. I'm just saying that could be something that could be realistic in my eyes. And that would be able to get you a guy that you think could – really help your team, especially if you don't like who you got in the draft or based off who you did get in the draft, maybe you still need some wing help. Yeah, I've mentioned Cam Reddish on this podcast before. I I really do believe in him. I don't care that he's underperformed this far in his career. He's young, and I just felt like he's always been – he was the third option at Duke behind you know Zion and R.J. Barrett. Then he comes into Atlanta, and there's so much young talent over there. It's been hard for him to carve out – a consistent role over there where he's been able to, you know, produce night in, night out. I still very much believe. And like I've mentioned before on here, the Pacers have a history of developing younger guys that, you know, have come over from other places. You know, they've had, I want to say it's five most improved player of the years. I feel like Cam Reddish is going to take a next step next year. And Atlanta, once Cam Reddish came back, they actually weren't playing him in the playoffs for a while. So he had that last really good game, 21 points, where I feel like it, it woke a lot of people up. If Cam Reddish, Reddish became available, I would definitely be intrigued. Because like you mentioned before, Atlanta's not going to be able to pay everyone, and mm-hmm. they have a lot of young talent. So I would be interested to see what it would take to get Cam Reddish, you know, the former 10th overall pick from Atlanta. Yeah, I really have no idea what it would take. I none, none. Yeah, I couldn't it's, even throw out a name there. It yes, just, and my trade that I threw up literally just popped in my head as I was talking. So don't take that with too much like, oh, that's a great idea. Like, no, it probably isn't a great idea. So um, I, I have to really rethink that out. But I also think in terms of Cam Reddish, like why I think a deal like this could make sense is if TJ Warren happens to not resign with the Pacers next year, that leaves a pretty vacant spot on the wing that you really need to fill. And that would give you some insurance and he's still on his rookie contract. So come restricted free agency, you would have at least another four to five years of Cam Reddish, especially if he, if he plays well. So I think he's hungry. He's looking for an opportunity and the Pacers have really 
like you said, Flatchy, they've gone out and kind of seek those guys that are just ready to break out, and they've had quite a few most improved player of the years because of that. That they have. Um, so a lot of good names coming to mind. You got your Jermaine O'Neal's, you know, you got your Victor Oladipo, Jalen Rose. I mean, those are guys that, you know, in their previous stops, you know, they, they were, you know, not as developed as they could have been. And when upon coming to Indiana, really just took off. So uh, I'd be excited to see what happens there. Um, for my next name, if you didn't take out the recycling, don't worry about it because we're bringing it back. We're talking about Boyan right over here. If Utah <laughs> would make him available, who knows? You're talking about a massive deal that's going to be happening with, you know, they, they signed Rudy Gobert. Donovan Mitchell is already going to be on a massive deal. I mean, they got some guys over there that, you know, Jordan Clarkson, I want to say he could be coming for a new deal soon. A lot of mouths over there to feed. Boyan, someone who's got two years left, just under $38 million. That's someone who, Alex, we didn't expect to leave Indiana. Yeah. When Utah snatched him up, it surprised all of us. You can plug him in at the three. He fits our timeline. You're going to get great three-point shooting. I think that's someone that would be very helpful if he becomes available. Utah, obviously, you know they very much enjoy being the one seed. Don't know what his availability would be on the trade market, but I do know that that's someone that would not blink to come back if he was traded to Indiana. Yeah, so I actually put him on my honorable mentions list, to be honest with you. And here's why. I just – I don't know exactly what they're going to do with Mike Conley, but if they have to bring him back on another big deal, and if they continue to kind of just hit this wall where they are really great in the regular season but can't figure it out in the playoffs, he could be a big big trade chip. Mm -hmm. So that's where I kind of thought, okay, maybe they could let Bojan go. He's – making a decent amount of salary. You pair that with somebody like, you know, maybe even a Joe Ingles. I don't even know what they could do, but, you know, that could make some sense. Like if they wanted CJ McCollum or if they wanted, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, like let's just say that they don't get Mike Conley and they're looking for a point guard option out there to play next to Donovan and someone that can kind of play off the ball with him. I I think Brogdon would make some sense. So if you're like, hey, we'd like to put Levert at the one, bring Bojan back, that could make some sense offensively. I mean, He's not a great defender, but he got a lot better here under Dan Burke. Oh, yeah. So that is definitely a positive for him. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, there's there's ups and downs to him. I just – the reason I kept him off my top ten list because I didn't feel like, one, he was that available. And, and, two, really, I just – you know, the age thing. I wondered if the age and the money really fit with what this Pacer team wants. I think it fits better than Thad Young, but that's uh, that's where I'm at on Bojan. Did you have anything else you wanted to highlight on, on Bojan? No, I just wanted to make sure that if if he was to be, you know, any trade involved, his salary is right around. It's right around that like $18, 19000000 million mark. So I, I felt like, hey, that at least works. It's not too unrealistic. But first, he's got to be available. Yeah. So that, that's the thing. Don't have not heard any rumors of him being available. But I, I thought, hey, you know what? That Mike Conley contract, it's going to dictate a lot, just like you said, because they already have two monster contracts on their books. So Bouillon could be the odd man out, just like you mentioned. Yep, absolutely. So for my number six, it's a guy you had at your number 10. It's Lonzo Ball. So I think that he could really be a nice fit here with that Pacer starting five in a, in a straight-up Turner for Lonzo Ball sign-and-trade. I don't know if he would rather come here or New York because, like I said, New York has a ton of money. I know that a team like San Antonio has a lot of money. Uh, Charlotte has a decent amount. Would he want to go to Charlotte and play with his brother? There's all that kind of stuff. Now, is he restricted or not? I think he's, he's a restricted free agent. Yep. Yeah, 
Yeah. So he's a restricted free agent. So, you know, the Pelicans can match anything. So if they decide, hey, we don't want you going to Charlotte, New York, San Antonio, we're going to sign you. But we know they've been really high on Miles Turner for a long time. I get they have Steven Adams. I get they have Jackson Hayes. But still, Miles Turner is a more modern fit next to Zion Williamson than those two guys are. So I think that I think that, that makes a ton of sense. He probably could be a little bit higher on my board, but I think or on my list. But at six, I really like Lonzo Ball, what he brings to the table. I mean, last year he shot 37.8% from three. It's really, really good, people. I mean, people feel like he's not a good three-point shooter, but he's clearly improved his shot, and that was one of his big knocks. Um, only thing I question then is if we did bring Lonzo Ball back, you think there's a roster spot available for TJ Leaf? <laughs> Oh man, uh, <laughs> I I nearly brought up Leaf as just to start it off with a bang, but I I just couldn't even get myself to utter that name anymore. But yeah, no, that was a good one, Alex. Hey, they had a good career in UCLA. I mean, the Pacers—that's the thing too. The Pacers have really been like keen on going after UCLA guys, Aaron Holiday, TJ Leaf, and Ike Anibogu in the last three years. So. Could they go out and get Lonzo? Hey, wouldn't shock me, right? And, of course, Reggie Miller going back to the the golden days when we had Reggie Miller coming out of there from UCLA. There's just weird ties here with UCLA players. So, uh, you know, Johnny Gizang going back into the draft or going back in, uh, to school really hurt maybe him pick, being picked last. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> being picked last there with the 60th pick. But anyway, Fachi, let's move on to your number five before we take a break. So for my number five, I got one of your original but yet underrated Man Crush Mondays. We have Terrence Ross. Oh, All right. Why is Terrence, he on your list? Oh, God. Terrence Ross, he doesn't make sense for Orlando right now. He was like the one guy that, that was not traded. Reminded me of the, the Will Smith meme from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where he's standing in you know his place just after they moved out. Like, what was he even doing left there? You're talking $23 million remaining over two years. The contract is great. He's 30 years old, so it's like, hey, you know, like, sure, he's veteran-ish, but he's ready to contribute right now. I think that he could be a really good sixth man for the Pacers. And Orlando, I mean, they're rebuilding. Terrence Ross will be moved. It's just a matter of where. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even put Terrence Ross on my list. Really? Uh, not even on my honorable mentions, Foch. Wow, you uh, soured on him. I just, it's time to move on. You know, you okay. just got to cut those ties and, and let it. it be. I, I like Terrence Ross. He's fine. I guess when I was thinking of making my top 10 players list, I was thinking more like guys I could start or that or go that route, you know, guys that I would trade a starter for. So maybe our thought process was a little bit different in how we went about, oh, maybe you just thought guys we could trade for, like obtainable guys without maybe trading a starter. So that, you know, that's why Terrence Ross could make some sense. Like, you know, like I said last year, I'd be fine if they traded Jeremy Lamb and something for him I think that he would help at this point though if you kind of look at this roster it feels like there's a log jam at that wing position right there now is. and it's just like I don't really love all of our wings to be honest either so I don't really know how I would go about building this roster if I was Kevin Pritchard but I don't think Terrence Ross would be somebody on my list at first but you know if the right deal came about then I'd be okay with it um but yeah I mean unless you're trading like Turner and 13 for Ross and eight. If you love somebody at eight that you think's there, like that's one thing. But I just don't think in this draft, Turner plus 13 is worth Terrence Ross and number eight. I, I think that's underselling Turner's no. value. What and about he, this? What if it's just a salary dump and it's Jeremy Lamb and Aaron Holiday for Terrence Ross? Yeah, see, I don't, 
I don't even know if I'd do that. Really? I, I mean, maybe I would. I, I mean, I know I... paying Aaron a lot of money. Or it could be, you know, whatever it is, whatever he ends up getting. It just depends on what else you can get. And, like, I don't and I don't want to basically just trade Jeremy Lamb for Terrence Ross if I could attach Jeremy Lamb to a Turner trade and get somebody better. You know what I mean? Sure. If, you, there's, if there's that option, then, yeah, I would yeah, rather hit so, a home run than hit a double. Yeah, so I, or a single. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's kind of where I'm at, and I'm not trying to sour your list. I'm sorry. I just, you know, Terrence Ross and me, I can't believe you had Lonzo Ball lower than Terrence Ross on your just list. Didn't think it, just didn't think it was going to happen for Lonzo. That's the okay. only reason why. Okay. I, I, Player-wise, talented, yeah, come on. He, he, Lonzo's going to have a career year next year, without a doubt. But I just felt like, man, New Orleans, no one's really going there. You can't let him go. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. So are you ready for uh, for my next one? I'm ready. Okay, this is a guy that I brought up a couple of times now um, throughout the years, and it's Jeremy Grant. I, I don't know how available he is. I know that Detroit really likes him. I know that he really enjoyed last year, averaging 22.3 points a game, shot 35% from three, 84.5% from the free throw line. He's on Team USA right now, summing. He's had a pretty good career. He clearly left a winning situation in Denver to go to a rebuilding situation for the money but not really that much more money, to be honest with you, in Detroit. So I'm not necessarily sure he would want to be traded to the Pacers. But if I'm looking at it, he's 27 years old. He fits the the need the Pacers, the biggest hole the Pacers have in terms of need, and that is that, you know, power forward, small forward position. And I think he's a significantly better player than Harrison Barnes. So that's why I think to me, if you can get your hands on Jeremy Grant, for a Miles Turner plus whatever, I think it's worth it. I have to ask though: Do you think that you would would you give up a draft pl- a draft pick in this year's draft plus Turner for Jeremy Grant? I would. I would. Would the Pistons take it? Uh they, they already have a couple big men there. That's the thing. It's like yeah, they got I, Beef Stew. They've got Mason Plumley. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's better. I think Turner is significantly better than both of them. I really oh, do. Yeah. I, I do. I do. It's just a matter of like Detroit. I mean, they really might not be winning anytime soon. So it's just like, what do you do over there? I mean, I know there are two years left on the grant deal. I believe two years on Turner. Um, it becomes like, a, all right, sure. But since they already have some other big men, yeah, I really don't know. The Jeremy Grant situation, I think it's going to take a, a decent amount to pry him away. Um, yeah. over there. And I think they're going to want picks. So picks have to be involved. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's probably the case. I wouldn't trade too much for him because, quite frankly, to me, while I think he's really good, I don't think he's worth the bag. If that makes sense, like I might be willing to do like um, a, a couple picks, maybe at the most, but I still feel like I'm a little bit reaching for him. I feel like I'm losing that trade possibly, just depending on what happens with the Pacers. But I would prefer to not trade this year's pick and maybe trade like twenty two and twenty four. You know what I mean? So because you're not really in the lottery ever, so this gives the Pacers a chance to finally get a young guy. But I mean, if they wanted it, if they wanted 13 that badly, then sure, I would I would consider it. But yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, like I said, I think he really fits the fits the mold of what we need. But at the same time, how much are we willing to give up? I don't know, but that 2024 pick, Alex, that is a mystery box if I've ever heard it. All those contracts that we have, you know, they're going to be done. So it's, it's just going to be like, who knows where the Pacers are at at that point. So that mm-hmm. pick would have to be heavily protected. I, I agree. So let's take a quick break one more time. It'll be our last break, and we will unveil our top four. We'll be right back. 
All right, everybody, we are back, and we are going to unveil the top four. So, Fachi, here we are at number four. Who do you got? At number four, a guy who you just said you didn't like as much, that is Harrison Barnes. All right, the 29-year-old, he's got $38.5 million left over the next two years. The contract actually decreases in value, which is always appealing. It's going from 20 to about 18. Fits the timeline, veteran, just rock-solid, consistent player that I, I think would be a good addition to this team, making them you know, very diverse where, hey, it depends what you have to give up for him, but you're talking about – you know, many guys in the lineup that can average your 15 to 20. I feel like Sacramento is going to deal Harrison Barnes. I don't think it's going to cost that much. So I do think that he can be had. So he's someone that cracked my top four. I know you had him lower on yours. Yeah, I had him at number 10 just because I feel like value-wise, I don't feel like trading a starter for him is like good value. I think that we're underselling yeah, um, I agree. Turner, especially if he's the guy that we traded, which I've thrown out there before. I think Harrison Barnes is a really good fit, though. I do and think he's a good fit. if you look at Sacramento, they got Buddy Hill. They would much rather get off of him. He's the guy I put in my honorable mentions, not because I like him that much, but just because, hey, he's a good shooter. We talked about him last year. We were more into him last year. I think more oh, yeah. so just because like we had no idea what was going to happen with Victor Oladipo. So, that had a lot to do with that Buddy Heald momentum last year. But, yeah, I like Buddy Heald. There's no – Buddy Heald, excuse me, Harrison Barnes. There's no doubt about it. And when it comes to Harrison Barnes, Sacramento is still trying to win. They want to prove to De'Aaron Fox that they're here to win. They got Tyrese Halliburton. Rashawn Holmes is going to get the bag, I think, in the offseason. We've talked about that a lot. So getting a, a, a quality center in Miles Turner makes sense. And then depending on who they draft at nine – you know, whoever that player is, you're hoping that they can come in and help right away. Uh, almost every mock that I've seen, if, if Franz Wagner, Wagner is not going to the Pacers, he's slotted to the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I'm and there's yeah, and and there's been some reporting out there. Like I think it was a false report because it's Twitter saying that he's been promised. <laughs> you know, the Kings I don't promise Wagner. I don't. I don't buy it either. But it's out there, whether you believe it or not, and. Wagner could make some sense at the four if they were to move on from Barnes. I mean, Buddy Heald is a guy that's going to be really hard to move off of. So if uh, the Pacers are able to get him somehow, I think it makes sense. But I'm just – I'm skeptical on what the Kings want. I know we had conversations before on our mock trade scenario with our good friend Brendan Nunez. But, yeah, I'm uh, I'm still torn there, Fosh, but I do like Harrison Barnes. All right. Well, who do you have coming in at uh, your number four? All right, so this is a guy that's been recently linked to the Pacers as a potential guy that could trade for, and I've got some question marks about him, but it's a young point guard from Cleveland, Colin Sexton. Um, I know that there were some question marks about his defense. I completely understand that, but this kid is a bucket. He is. 24 points a game last year, 37.1% from three. He's only 22 years old. People keep saying, why are the Pacers interested in him? Why are the Pacers interested in him? Look, I completely understand that he is not a good defender. However, Cleveland has probably not been the greatest situation for him to really buy into the defensive side of things. I, I, I'm talking myself into this more and more as I look at his name, look at his potential. It's not very often that a guy that's 22 years old becomes available. And with the Cavaliers having the third overall pick, there just seems like there might not be room for them uh, for Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and uh, Isaac Okora, who they drafted last year. So they might have to move on from Sexton because they don't want to pay that massive contract that he's going to be wanting 
come next season where the Pacers might be willing to say, hey, we don't get these kind of guys, so give me Colin Sexton. And I don't necessarily know if he would start right away. I'm assuming he would. It depends on what the Cleveland wants. Like if Jared Allen walks away, then Turner makes a ton of sense there. Yeah, that's definitely – those go hand in hand right there. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense. Then maybe you start him next to Brogdon, let them both be able to play off ball a little bit. Levert can run the point. I think now you've got a ton of playmakers. Um, the assist numbers aren't super high. For Colin Sexton, only 4.4 a game last season and for his career, only 3.4. So he's more of a scorer. And similar to what Carlisle said about the double bigs, I think there's a way you could stagger Sexton's minutes where, hey, he might start, but you sub him out early, then bring him back. And it gives you just that insurance like I've talked about. If you don't feel like Brogdon's the guy at point guard, you feel like Sexton, because of his offensive abilities, is a little bit better of a fit, then maybe you go that route. But all in all, there was a point last year where Sexton was like in the running and then and not the running, but he was a name that was floating around come all-star time. So that's why I'm intrigued by him. Only 22 years old, like I said, and the Pacers really could benefit from getting a little bit younger while still trying to win basketball games. I did dip a toe earlier in the Colin Sexton waters. I ended up putting on my honorable mention. I feel like this is a guy who is going to be a really good scorer for a long time. But I wondered, is it always just going to be that? Will the defense come? Will he be more of a playmaker? I started thinking about it, and I thought about the Jared Allen situation. And I went, hmm, you know, they already have Kevin Love there. And then if they're going to re-sign Jared Allen, they're not looking for a big then what would we have? You know, they probably wouldn't be interested in Brogdon then if they have those, if they have Darius Garland, Isaac Coral. It's like I started being like, man, I don't even know what we would work out for a deal there. And I know that Sexton is looking for the bag when his time comes. So it got a little bit tough, but I'm with you, Alex. It's intriguing. I love the idea of, of a young, up-and-coming playmaker when you already kind of feel like you know where most of these Pacer players are at. Some of them could get a little bit better, but for the most part, it feels like Colin Sexton is still so young that he can you know, develop his game. It is very interesting to hear him already available, but we've kind of heard from time to time some rumblings that haven't all been positives about him. I remember early in his rookie year, it seemed like a lot of the team didn't know if he was going to work out or not. They were kind of giving up on him a bit and criticizing his defense, but I think that he's going to be a really good player, just kind of needs to be in the right situation, so... I don't blame you at all for having him this high on the list. Yeah, I mean, he was the eighth pick overall. Yep. You don't usually get those kind of guys, especially guys that have at least shown they can put up numbers. I know it's been on a bad Cavs team, but still, 24 points a game to do over 60 games, I think that says something about what he can do on the offensive side of things. Now, defensively, like I said, there's a lot of question marks there, but I'm okay with that if I'm – investing in something especially if I don't think there's a long-term future here with Miles Turner now in terms of a deal it would probably have to be Sexton and somebody like Seti Osman going back for Turner and I think they'd probably want something else so I would give up a protected pick in the future just because of the age in my opinion and I think that Cleveland really would have something nice there if they got Jalen Green to go with Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, and then, of course, they have Miles Turner. I mean, that's a good four. And then you see what you can get out of, you know, maybe packaging Kevin Love with some of your picks. Or, you know, if you don't feel like a Coral fits, you attach him with Love and see if you can get him out of there. I mean, I just don't want any part of taking on Kevin Love's contract in this None. deal. None. I mean, I know it's only a few years left, right? But at, at, at that point, it's just a lot of, a lot of uh, 
wait to be carrying um, Kevin Love as the highest paid player on your team. I think that's why, uh, <laughs> you know, he's really hoping USA basketball gives him a nice recruitment um, out there. So anyway, that was my number four, Fachi. Who do you have at number three? So at number three, it's it's a guy, he was uh, the talk of the town recently, maybe not for all the best reasons, but it's Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons right now, I mean, look, it's a long shot, but the Pacers, we at least heard, whether it's true or not, were they at least placed a call in. I believe it was Brogdon, a first-round pick. Look, that was never going to get the deal done. You know, it almost sounds a, a bit comical, uh, almost like, a, you know, the, hey, let's set the bar so low that, you know, we can only go up from there. But if Ben Simmons is truly available at age 24, one of the top defensive players in the league, a great playmaker, the guy's going to get better. He's going to be all right. The money owed to him is the reason why he's at third on this list. $146 million owed. A player like Ben Simmons to be able to get, it sends a message to the fan base, to everything that we were trying to win with the best possible players. We'll go out and get a deal done if those players become available. Now, at third on my list, there's still those question marks. Will he get better shooting the ball? Does he want to buy in? Because if this isn't a wake-up call to Ben Simmons, he's never going to wake up. But if a player like him becomes available, you got to at least do what you can to, to get heavily turned down. Yeah. So here's what I, I've been kind of frustrated with fans' takes on Ben Simmons. I talked about it on the last podcast with, with Tony East. And, and basically what I was saying is, look, this is the type of player that you want to trade for if yeah. they become available. Yep. I understand that he does have, you know, some flaws to his game. I, I completely understand that. Not a good shooter. And can you trust in him in the fourth quarter? I mean, that's a lot of question marks. We've talked about it before, Fachi. There's no doubt about it. Ben Simmons is a bona fide stud. I think that he is a top 15, top 20 type of player in this league. And he fits that position of need that this team desperately needs. I've talked about that. Like playing that four uh, and being able to be a playmaker too, like that is just so good. Like I – I understand, like, look, you might not want to give up Sabonis to get him, but if you have to give up Sabonis to get him, he is a better overall player than Demontis Sabonis. That's just the bottom line. If you keep Sabonis, sure, they might have flaws together, but they might actually do some nice things together as well. I'm not necessarily sold like, oh, you have to immediately get rid of Sabonis if you get Simmons. No, I think they could work out somewhat, but I still think there'd be a lot of flaws because there's not enough shooting. I don't think it's the perfect fit, but at the same time, I don't know if Turner's still the perfect fit I think defensively you might be much better, but offensively still Turner has got to be a, a better rebounder, number one, and he's got to be a more consistent shooter from outside because his shooting percentage has dipped uh, quite a bit, I feel like, from the three-point line. So it's just not as consistent as you would want it to be. But I, I still like Turner's de defensive scheme and offensive scheme better than Sabonis's, but I still think that there could be some fun things there. But, yeah, that I didn't have him on my list because I don't feel like it's realistic. Um, I, I feel like the Brogdon for the Anna first for him is way better than anything Minnesota can offer for him. Uh, I don't know why people would want to put D'Angelo Russell in, a, in that move. I don't think that makes Philly any better. So I, I think they're still holding out on a big massive trade for Damian Lillard, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I do like Ben Simmons on this roster. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued. I would roll the dice there. So, um, you know, hey, like I said, if you have an opportunity to get better and there is a first overall pick who's not a bust available, we're not talking about a, an Anthony Ben or anything like that, hey, you, you got to play some calls. Uh, who did you have in at number three? Yeah, so I, like I said, I stay with a lot of young guys here. 
And I'm not really sure what's going on in Washington, but a guy I'm keeping my eyes on is Rui Hachimura. 23 years old. He's had decent seasons. He could be a much better rebounder. He needs to get better at three-point shooting. His free throw percentage is okay. He's averaged about 14 points a game over the last two seasons. So um, I just feel like he's in a weird spot with this roster. Look, this team could go complete rebuild. They could trade Bradley Beal. They could let Westbrook's contract expire. But at this moment right now, I still think they're trying to win to convince Bradley Beal that they're here for the long haul. Now, they do have a handful of centers. Uh, Daniel Gafford is one that's where the pace is up. Robin Lopez. They've also got Thomas Bryant. But none of those guys to me, as good as Daniel Gafford was in that pick and roll against the Pacers with Russell Westbrook and pretty much all year long. I mean, Gafford was pretty good. I still think Turner is significantly better than all three of those guys on paper um, and what you want in the center. So that's why I think Ruby Hachimura could fit that power forward position that this team needs. He's from Gonzaga, so he'll have that connection with Domas. Um, and I, I, we saw them trade jerseys last year. Obviously, they're fond of one another. I think they would like playing with one another. And I think that Ruby Hachimura under Rick Carlisle um, might have a little bit better of a, of a career moving forward than whatever coaching hire they decide to go with in, in Washington. I just, I'm just not sure what direction that team is heading. And if they're looking to win right now, and, you know, you're not sure you want to trade Turner to an East team. At least you're getting a young asset at the age of 23 back in return. So Rui Hachimura is poised to break out next year. He is going to be a very good player. And I, I just don't think that Washington would let him go. He's one of their cheap options they can build upon. We saw a couple of years ago they, they really dumped Kelly Oubre, and I think they regretted it. They have not drafted well in the past. Rui Hachimura is a pick that I think that they really hit on. Um, so I, I think that if Beal leaves, Russ is going to leave as well. Um, yeah. And then I think Hachimura is someone they could build around. So, look, if Hachimura became available, that's someone that I'd be very interested in as well. Yeah. I just don't think that they'll uh, they'll make the move to, to get rid of him. But, you know, make no mistake, next year he's going to be much more of a household name. Yeah, I mean, in his first two games against the Pacers this season. Destroyed us. Yeah, he had 27 Seven rebounds, two assists, one block in the game that uh, – I, I don't remember what the score was to that one, but that was game 55. And then if you go look at the previous game before that, um, he absolutely destroyed us once again. He had 26 points with eight rebounds, three assists. So maybe that's why I'm thinking, oh, okay, that's why I'm a little high on him because of how well he dominated the Pacers. But all in all, I just – I like his game. And then the next the next game we played, that I think the Pacers won in overtime. He only had 13 points, and I think that was a big reason why yes. uh, we won that game in overtime is just because he didn't play as well. So I, I really like him. I don't know if he'd be available or not. I just, I'm just i throwing it out there because I think he's a name to keep an eye on. So for my number two uh, on my list, this is a name that I think Pacer fan base has gone back and forth with for at least a year, and that's Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins right now – uh, make no mistake about it, Gold State, their payroll, they need to make some changes here. Andrew Wiggins is their key to you know freeing up cap space. Two years, $65 million remaining. In the past, that contract could almost make you puke. Now, all of a sudden, Wiggins has gotten better. It's a two-year deal. He's 26 years old. This man's been criticized for years now. He's 26. He's entering his prime. He's gotten better defensively, and I think he's gotten far more consistent. I think that this is someone that, you know, could be a really good option for the Pacers. And the reason why I have my number two 
is because I believe that there would definitely be a first-round pick attached to him. And if it's a seventh overall and you get the seventh in Wiggins, it's very appealing. If it's Wiggins in the 14th, it's still pretty appealing. But to be able to get a lotto pick and Andrew Wiggins, and I really don't think it's going to cost too much, I would be interested here. So the reason you have Wiggins so high at number two is because you're attaching the pick. Yes. On your top ten player. So it's it's, it's a Wiggins Wiggins plus a pick. Yeah. Okay. Because as I say, Wiggins by himself makes a lot of money at a position that we're already pretty deep at. Yeah, yeah. Wiggins and the pick. Yeah, so unless you're attaching that pick, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Exactly. This has been a trade that's been thrown out there a lot, moving up to seven. I would absolutely lose my mind if we moved up to seven. I'd love it. Um, And if we didn't draft Moses Moody, I would probably cry crocodile tears. I'd be so disappointed. Um, (laughs) I love Moses Moody. I can't say it enough. But I, I feel like Golden State's a team that could take Moses Moody. I really do. They like, very well could. I mean, he does fit some of what they need, but could they go more established there? I mean, I, I just hope that Moody falls. I, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I feel like he's going earlier. I'm sick to my stomach thinking about it. But, yeah, if we can move up and get Moses Moody, get Andrew Wiggins, and, and get a little bit smaller with this modern basketball, I think it's something that makes a lot of sense for this Pacers team. Like we said, Like you said, Fudge, Wiggins is a good basketball player. He like is. He's not a bad basketball player. His contract is too high. He is definitely overpaid. He would not be the best player on this team. He would probably be the fourth or fifth best player on this team based on how this roster is built. But at the end of the day, you don't make this move just for Wiggins. You make it for the pick, and you have mm-hmm. to think about that because that pick plus Wiggins is going to equal probably about $38 million on your cap. So you already have that first-round draft pick built into your cap. And if you're able to keep 13 too, like, wow, that's great. If you have to give up 13, I'm willing to do it uh, to move up to seven with um, with with our trade package. But, yeah, I probably have changed my mind a thousand times on what I would do with 13 in that pick situation. But I'm just I'm, – I'm going all in for Moody at all costs no matter what. So that's that's where I like this deal. But yeah, I, I didn't have Wiggins on my list again, Fudge. Uh, just because I don't feel like I would, I don't think value wise he is worth one of our starters. Um, so I didn't do like the and a pick. So I could have done that, but I didn't, and that's why I didn't have him on my list. Okay. All right. Well, hey, who do you got in at number two? Yeah. So I I told you beforehand I had two two different places where I had an either or type thing. So earlier I had Dejounte Murray or Derek White. Now I think Pacer Nation knows where I'm going. I'm going P.J. Washington or Miles Bridges. Um, I I think Bridges is the better player, personally. He shot 50% from the field, 40% from three last year, and 86.7% from the free throw line. He only averaged 12 points a game. He played 66 games last year, and I know he really took off. So Hornets fans, I believe, would much rather trade P.J. Washington. So I think Washington's the more obtainable guy, but if we could do a miles-for-miles trade, I would lose my mind. I, I love me some Miles Bridges, but the good thing with PJ Washington is he's six foot seven, 230 pounds, and he can play some small ball center. That is a nice thing about him. He did shoot 38.6% from three last year, but he averaged pretty much the, the same amount of points, 12.9 points per game. So I I really like him as well. So Fachi, I'm I'm torn between the two, but I think Bridges is better. Washington is the guy that I think is more realistic. I completely agree there. I really feel like the Hornets are in love with Miles Bridges. I really do. 
Uh, I don't think that that they're really going to let go of him. But P.J. Washington is someone that I think can be had. So, you know, we, we've, I feel like that seems like the, the situation where, you know, that would be the Miles Turner move because they need a center. But so much is going to be dictated with what they do in the draft or free agency. So, yeah. you know, I, I love me some P.J. Washington. You know, I probably should have put him on my list. But, you know, he was in my honorable mention uh, group just because I, I thought the other guys were more of like uh, – I don't want to say established, but more like could be had for a straight up deal. But PJ Washington, I think he's going to have a much, a much, you know, take a big step next year. So yeah. I'm on board. I would like him to be a pacer. We'll find out what's going to happen with that soon enough. I think the draft is our first step to know if that's realistic or not. Okay. So let's reveal it. Fachi, who is your number one overall pick? My number one overall pick was a guy that you had earlier, but I, I, I just, I think he'd be such a good fit for the Pacers. That's Jeremy Grant. At two years, forty million remaining, like we mentioned before, you know, I didn't want to blow the surprise because I don't know what it would take to get him. But Detroit, they are just not ready to win. They're not, and I think that Jeremy Grant, you're going to waste those next two years of him. I mean, there's there's no way that the Pistons are going to be good next year, and I don't even expect them to be good the following year. But I feel like this is someone who is they're they're going to be taking calls on. He could play the three. He could play the four. Still just 27 years old, and the money is right. It's right about $20 million per year, which aligns with a lot of Pacer contracts. So I'm highly uh, intrigued by Jeremy Grant. You know, like I mentioned before, it was really hard to put this list in order. So a couple guys could, you know, move down a spot or so. But Jeremy Grant is someone I'm very high on, and he showed it last year. Yeah, I love Jeremy Grant. I think he makes perfect sense for what this team needs, and that would help them win right away. That, that, to me, I'm a little bit surprised on some of the guys you didn't have on your list. Like, I was surprised you didn't have one of P.J. Washington or Miles Bridges on your list just because I feel like those are names that we've been talking about for mm-hmm. a long time. I just thought he's at least going to put them on there because it's been rumored out there, you know, Yeah, yeah. especially with Charlotte. So, I mean, I was uh, – Jeremy Grant at number one doesn't so, totally surprise me. But, yeah, I, I like the fit. Like, you know how I feel about Jeremy Grant. He was number five. And the guys I had above him were all just younger guys that could make sense before I unveil my number one. So did you have any other comments on Jeremy Grant? No, I would just say it's someone that I think you know what you're getting out of Jeremy Grant on a nightly basis. And I do think that it would make the Pacers, uh, you know, a pretty deep, well-leveled team. Um, But, hey, I knew he was on your list at five. You know, you got to know that a lot of these spots, they could be interchangeable. So I think that we're both high on Jeremy Grant. But, yeah, if I could have made one tweak, I think I would have put P.J. Washington on my list. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I think you could have taken Seth Curry off and put PJ there, but uh, uh, you know I is, love him. This is your list, not mine, so I don't want to criticize it. I'm just saying what I would have done. Hey, obviously that's my list, right? But uh, yeah, so a guy you mentioned earlier is actually number one on my list too, and that's CJ McCollum, Flachi. Okay, okay. 23 points a game last year, got hurt. I understand that he has injury history, but that wouldn't be a Pacers move if they didn't get someone that has prior injury history. That's true. Shot 45.8% from the field, 40.2% from three, and 81.2% from the free throw. He's been in a ton of battles with Damian Lillard. I get it. Portland is probably trying to revive this thing with the hiring of Chauncey Billups. They want to go out and win, but it just feels like something has got to change with that Portland team. I don't know what the move is. I would be willing to pretty much trade Brogdon or Turner for him. I don't think I would give Lavert up for him. I w- yeah, I don't think I, I would either. I wouldn't give Sabonis up for him, and I wouldn't give up TJ Warren for him, but I'd be willing to get rid of Turner or Brogdon for him. But if you could get rid of just Turner, 
and maybe add some like maybe you add 13 to it Turner Lamb and 13 from a column or Turner Lamb and two more picks from a column I think that might be interesting to me I don't think Turner by himself is enough so you no, gonna he's not. To, he's not. you're gonna have to add a pick or two or pick I swaps. Think two. yeah I mean whatever it takes I just think if your starting lineup is Malcolm Brogdon CJ McCollum TJ Warren Karis LeVert and DeMontis Sabonis your defense might not be great, but your offense could be really special. And you got, and we just need guys that can hit buckets and guys that have been there. So that's why I love McCollum. I just think he's a win that kind of guy. He'll be 30 once the season starts, right in the middle of his prime. Get him over to the Eastern Conference, where I think is a little bit weaker than mm-hmm. the Western Conference. And I think he could help this team, you know, really, you know, maybe win a round or two in the, uh, in the East playoffs. Oh, yeah. I, I do think that he would be a guy that raises the, the ceiling on this team. Uh, my problem when trying to construct a trade for McCollum was while it would take numerous picks, I don't think that they want picks because Damian Lillard is saying he wants to win now. And if you trade his go-to guy for, for picks, you know, and like Miles Turner, it, it's it's sending a message of like, hey, I think this is a good trade for the future. It's like, what? well, there might not be a future of me here. So that's the problem. You might have to give up a lot. But, look, if you can get C.J. McCollum and not have to give up, you know, a Sabonis or a Levert, I really do think that you got something there that you're getting out of the first round. Yeah. So yeah. I'm with you. That's someone that I'm very high on. I know we've talked online. We've talked offline that, you know, if C.J. McCollum can be had, the Pacers have to make calls. Yeah, they have, they have to see what they can get. There's obviously the Portland connection. I just, I just feel like it makes too much sense, Fachi. And at the end of the end of the day, they could always do a three-team trade too. Yeah. Like if they want Turner and they feel like it's time to move on from Nurkic, like I think Nurkic is probably better than Turner. I think Pacer fans might argue that, but I think come playoff time, I think Nurkic has just been a little bit better overall as a player than Turner. But if he wants to move on, maybe you deal Nurkic somewhere else and then you add another player into the mix. You could do a three-team trade. You could maybe even even get rid of Brogdon, trade Brogdon somewhere with Turner somewhere else and make it all happen. I mean, there's different ways you can go about it. But, you know, I think that the Pacers have assets that could be interesting. I think, honestly, Justin Holiday is a guy that you could look to move. I think you could also try to see maybe would a, would a team be interested. I'm not saying necessarily from a column, but if you're wanting to keep most of your core but you don't feel like McDermott makes sense, maybe you package a McDermott, McDermott and a sign-and-trade with Turner – and picks to to get better, but I I just he's a guy that I just want, you know what I mean. So we'll maybe we'll come up with trade ideas for McCollum later, where we can really think about it and hammer it out. But that is what I have right now, Fachi. So that's my top ten. That's your top ten. Who do you have in your honorable mentions that we did not talk about so far? My honorable mentions, because you know I didn't want to get too wild with it, but we had already mentioned you know PJ Washington was in there, but there was Pascal Siakam. Siakam was someone that I was like. Man, you know what? I just don't think Toronto would make a deal for Siakam. That's someone that I'm intrigued by. A sign trade with DeMar DeRozan. I was like, you know what? This would be someone who could hit that big shot. Um, you know, someone who's obviously still very good, but he's entering free agency. I thought it would get a little bit complicated. You know, we, we wouldn't be able to sign him outright, so it'd have to be a sign trade. Uh, and then, obviously, a guy that I just didn't think it was going to happen. Damian Lillard. Look, if Damian Lillard is somewhat even remotely available, it's like, just be like, what do you need? Yeah. So that those are my uh, my honorable mentions. A couple other names that would have, I guess, made like the back end of an honorable mention. What about a sign trade for like, a Tim Hardaway Jr.? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, do, does the Clippers have buyer's remorse on Luke Kennard? You know, like the, that that's someone that I'm like, hmm. And then the last name, Marcus Smart. You know, those, those are my honorable mar- uh, mention guys. Yeah, see, so here's what I did. I didn't think Smart would be available. Yeah. And I didn't think the Pacers would be willing to pay Hardaway Jr. that much money, but I kind of like the idea of it. So I've always been a big THJ guy. But here are my honorable mentions. We got Dorian Finney-Smith from Dallas. You know I like him. I just feel like in a smaller move, that could be somebody to, be, to look at. Joe Ingles from Utah. Mm-hmm. They don't want to get rid of Bojan. I think Joe Ingles is a veteran guy they could bring in here. Uh, mentioned Bojan and Thad Young. Here's a guy that we haven't really talked about, but I think he could be had. And I think that the Sixers are really high on um, Malcolm Brogdon. What about Tobias Harris? Oh, man. I, I like him. I, don't, I think he really stepped up this year. And I, I yeah. think that some of, um, some of Ben Simmons' flaws, I think, really made Tobias Harris look that much better because he was having some big playoff games. Right, right. I'm just, I'm just curious if, if Harris is available. I think I would look into it. Um, so here's – okay, I'll go with more veteran. I had Gordon Hayward on here just again because, you know, I can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said Buddy Hield earlier. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is a guy I threw out there as maybe a possibility. I just thought to, about that. I really yeah, did. I mean, I think Kuzma is a good player. And then two guys that I mentioned last week on the pod with Tony from – uh, from Memphis, DeAnthony Melton and Dylan Brooks were two guys that I mentioned. I don't think either of those – I mean, Melton might be dealt, but I don't think Brooks is dealt. Tony, uh, They shot. love Brooks. They love him. Yeah, I would give everything I could for Brooks. Uh, I just like the, the passion he plays with. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned Terrence Ross earlier, and I threw a couple of different Orlando Magic players on my list as potential guys that I think would be interesting to trade for. One was Chuma Okiki. This is a guy that got injured his rookie year at Auburn, I believe. Actually, I think he got hurt the uh, in the in the uh, tournament. So he did. He so, was drafted already hurt. Yeah. So they um, so they had to let him go uh, sit out for a year. They brought him back. You know, there's a lot of different guys out there that could be on that roster. Does he fit? I'm sure he does. But could he become available depending on what they want to do? I think at the right price. And then the other guy is Markel Fultz. Um, okay. If they draft a point guard like Jalen Suggs at five, if he falls to five for some reason, and Scotty Barnes goes before him, they get him. They've already got Cole Anthony. Would he become available? I think that it's worth looking at. I think Markel Fultz is a guy that really improved last season. So it's just such a shame he got hurt because I really felt like he was he was trending towards that. So yeah, I hope that everything works out. I know he tore his ACL, only got to play eight games last year, but uh, that was someone that. Um, you know, I, I was definitely, you know, following from a distance, rooting for yeah. him. Yeah, just rooting for the guy. And I think, hey, that might be somebody fun to invest in. Uh, just if uh, they're kind of in seller's mode, maybe you make a move at the deadline. Maybe that's more that kind of thing, depending on what they want to do there with that team. But all right, that's my honorable mentions list. I want to do this exercise with you real quick before we have to get off here. Um, you already mentioned Damian Lillard, so that'll be one guy off my list. But I said, would you throw the farm at said player? So my next guy would be Bradley Beal. No, I wouldn't. Wouldn't I throw wouldn't. the farm at him. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. Go all I out. wouldn't. I wouldn't throw the farm at him. I just re- recently listened to a podcast that Bradley Beal did, um, and he was basically talking about how he had a shoulder so much of the load in Washington. You know, when John Wall was out, and I think he did a really good job with that. But I don't think that Bradley Beal is the guy that can go out there and take you far. I think he's going to be someone that would be a really good second piece. So if you're talking about having a deal, say Sabonis, Lavert, and I don't know, like 
you know, if, if another another decent, you know, good starter, you're not going to be left with a good team. Okay. You're, and yeah, so I want to go no. Okay, so there's not really a ton of guys I think available. I think Carl Anthony Towns is a name that always gets brought up. I don't really think we have to think too much about that. I think we would do it. Yeah. Um, maybe not throw the whole farm, but you know, throw some significant pieces at these three guys. Uh, what about SGA? Oh man, I, I really believe in him. I really believe in him. Uh, ah, yeah. so man, the farm. Ah, uh, I don't think we can do the farm, but if there was a little bit less than the farm, I think he's going to be a stud. Okay, what about Jonathan Isaac? No. Too injury prone? Too injury prone and just really good defensive players, I think, just fail to be able to get you to, you know, the promised land. Like, he does a lot of good things really well, but you trade too much, he's not going to be able to, you know, shoulder the load. How much would you give up for him then, just theoretically speaking? Or hypothetically speaking, what the problem is is that I think that he had he really raised his stock in the bubble, yeah, and then he tore his ACL. So before the bubble, you know, I felt like it was like yeah, pretty good player right over there, promising. You know, if he had, I mean, maybe if he had played last year, maybe everyone's talking about him. But since it's been a year, I think I'm a little bit lower on him. Okay, and then my last one is Pascal Siakam, a guy you mentioned in your honorable mentions. I wouldn't throw the farm just because we saw when Kawhi Leonard left that he, he really couldn't take that next step. So I'm going to go with no. So a guy that I would throw the farm, Dame, Carl Anthony Towns, those are the guys that I, that I would. Yeah, it's hard to think, like, who could be available possibly and throw the farm out at him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Pascal Siakam would be fun if you could maybe trade Brogdon and, and Turner for him. Yeah, something then, like that. Yeah, And then you take him, Pascal Siakam, back with maybe like a – I think Rodney Hood's up there right now with his contract or Aaron yep. Baines. Just take like a salary filler – you put him at the four, and then you have to figure out what you're going to do at your point guard position. But I think you can figure all that in free agency or the draft. But that's what I had. So I know we got to get going, Fachi. So where can the people find us at on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. And you could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And make sure you guys tune in tomorrow for a special episode of the Prospect Chronicles where we are scheduled to have who, Fachi? So we have the one and only Sharif Cooper himself, and I cannot wait. All right, everybody. If you are glad that you're a Pacer fan, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! We'll talk to you all tomorrow.